Welcome to the Women of TBC podcast. You'll hear content from women's Bible studies and other women's events. For more information, visit templebiblechurch.org. Karen Morris, like she said, I am a sinner saved by the gracious grace of God. But I'm not a public speaker, which you will soon see. I learned this, though, while I was taking a class at ACU. I took speech my freshman year there, and I was in the classroom with tons of guys that wanted to be pastors and loved the limelight. So I was so intimidated. But I said, oh, I'm never going to use this class anyway. It's okay. (laughs) Well, God has a way of stretching us, and so does Amy. She stretches me every single time I talk to her. But just so you have a self-portrait of me, this is how I feel right now. (laughs) This little guy comes every morning to my bird feeder and eats food like that. I don't like being stretched like that, but obviously he loves it. Um, Jen does a beautiful job discussing the chapter that we study today verse by verse and giving us details uh, discussed in our homework. So I encourage you to listen to her speech and um, because I'm going to be taking things from a little bit different perspective. Amy did a wonderful job last week introducing us to John and giving us a background uh, information that helps us understand the purpose of John's letters. So today, we begin a journey of John combating the Gnostics who believed that Jesus was not a man. So first, let's look at Jesus, the man. To introduce you to Jesus, I want to show you my granddaddy. This was my granddaddy, Barton, and this man taught me so much about the Lord. He loved farming, and he loved his family. And as I gathered eggs and fed chickens and cows and goats with him, I learned the diligence of work. As I danced on his feet to gospel music every Sunday morning, I learned to laugh and enjoy others. All his grandchildren thought we were the favorite because he loved us so well. His unconditional love for people and his commitment to Jesus made a huge impact on my life. He was faithful to his church, and he took me to church every Sunday. That's where I learned to love the Lord. I learned to love the Word. I learned to love worship, and I learned to love others. Just like my personal experience with my granddaddy, and we'll relate to you how I um, know him and how you can know him. John gives us an eyewitness account of his personal walk with Jesus in today's text. So we're going to read from John 1, 1 through 4. That which is from the beginning, which we have seen with our eyes, which we look upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things that our joy may be complete. John tells us that he has seen Jesus with his eyes. He watched him, he touched him, and now he proclaims him. He longs for people to experience the realness of Christ through his testimony. What has John seen and experienced while walking with Jesus? 
Well, from our study in Mark a few years ago, we learned that the disciples had seen lots of fish. He had, they had seen stormy waves calmed, blustery winds tamed. John had seen lepers healed, the blind made to see, and the dead given life. But most importantly, he had seen Jesus transformed into the light upon the Mount of Transfiguration. He had seen Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah, and along with Peter and James, he heard God say, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. He had seen Jesus walk humbly, kindly, and justly, never defying the Father, but walking in truth, compassion, humility, kindness, obedience, and love. John heard Jesus offering friendship and forgiveness, correction and challenge, and he heard his voice of authority over nature, disease, demons, and death. He had seen Jesus offer his nail-scarred hands to Thomas so that he could touch him and know that he was back. John is proclaiming all he knows about Jesus so others come to know him and love him as he did, including us. He longs for us to know Jesus personally and walk in fellowship with him and the other believers, just as he did. Now, we looked at that word fellowship this week in our homework, and we found out it was the Greek word koinonia, which means sharing in common. And that's what we're doing right now. We're sharing a common love together as we study, discuss, and learn the word of God. And I'm so thankful for this fellowship because it shows unity diversity, and uniqueness in the family of God. When we're in fellowship with other believers, we're encouraged to pursue God and his righteousness, his holiness, and his truth. We are strengthened and sharpened. You girls push me to know him more when I see how you love one another and encourage one another and serve together. And as we read here, this fellowship with others, Jesus and the Father give us full joy. So we've seen the man. Let's look at his message. Verses 5 through 8 say, This is the message that we have received from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So let's look who this light is. Verse 5 tells us plainly God is light. But remember from Genesis in the very beginning, God spoke into the darkness and the void, and he said, let there be light. And by his power and his word, he commanded it, and it appeared. God is able to do this because he is light, and he's the source of all light. Next, we find that Jesus is light. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, tells us that Jesus is the light, the true light. It enlightens every man. He's shown in the darkness, but the darkness didn't comprehend it. He became flesh and dwelt among us, and the disciples beheld his glory, glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Peter tells us 
um, in Peter 2, 9, that the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And that light is the child born to us, whose name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, um, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Later in Isaiah, we learn that God's chosen servant will be given as a light to the nations, a redeemer to come, a light to arise so the nations can come into it. So we've seen that this light is coming in the form of a servant who will redeem God's people. In John 8, 12, Jesus states that he is the light of the world. And he says that whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. His light leads to life. Most exciting is the news in Revelation 21, 23. The new Jerusalem has no need of sun or moon to shine upon it for... God will be the glorious light, and the Lamb will be its lamp. The nations will walk by his light. So we've seen God is light, and Jesus is light, but there is more. If we're living in his light, as God's image bearers, we are to reflect his light to the world for his glory. In Matthew 5.14, Jesus says to his disciples, You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before others that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In Acts 9, Jesus appeared as a bright light to Paul and forever changed his life. Later in Acts, Paul reveals that Jesus had told him that he appeared to him to open the eyes of the Gentiles, that they may turn from darkness to light, from the domain of Satan to the kingdom of God, and that, that they might receive forgiveness of sin. So the light revealed to Saul became a light that he in turn revealed to others. And finally, Peter tells us that believers are to proclaim his excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's us, friends, his church. Now we've seen who the light is, so what does light do? First of all, it dispels darkness. We all know this from our childhood. The darkness can be a lonely and scary state, and a little light helps us to see the details of what's going on around us and where we are. From the beginning, God dispelled that darkness by creating light. He sovereignly placed lights in the sky to create time and seasons which bring order. In Ecclesiastes, we learn that light excels darkness as wisdom excels folly. And from this we understand that God's light is linked to his wisdom. The light and wisdom is given to us through the scriptures, the law, the prophets, and in these days he has spoken it to us through his son, the light of the world. Psalm 27.1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Here I see God as a personal light, dispelling darkness and leading to salvation security, and safety. In Psalm 119, 18, we learn that God opens our eyes so that we can behold all the wonderful things in his word. And that chapter further states that the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. His light will personally dispel any darkness and guide us to all truth. The result of this light is salvation and sanctification. Secondly, light attracts. Remember the fire that Moses saw in the burning bush? 
it attracted him to come close and pay attention to what God had to say. And the light that shone in his face after he met with Yahweh in the tent of meeting was bright and noticeable, but sadly, Moses had to veil it. Recall the bright light when the angels appeared in the sky to announce the Savior's birth. This light got the shepherds' attention, and it spurred them to go find the Savior. This is what God's Word does for us when we open it and study. It shines its truth for us to see so that we can walk as children of light. I have to ask myself uh, as I look at this, does my face show that I've been with Jesus? Is my countenance bright? Am I walking in his light and attracting others to Jesus? Do people see Jesus in me? The result of this light is clarity and clear vision. Thirdly, light causes growth. As plants need sunlight to grow, we need God's light to grow spiritually. At times, our growth may seem slow and even stagnant. But remember, like a plant's root system, our roots must grow. They have to develop and grow and reach deep for security and nourishment. Um, the, it's not an easy process or a quick process. It takes patience, time, pruning, and care from the vine dresser to grow a fruitful vine. And it's only by abiding in Jesus that we become mature, strong believers and we bear the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and goodness, and self-control, as found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The result of this light is strength and fruitfulness. Lastly, light reveals, and now it's confession time. <laughs> this is a difficult characteristic of light, which is not always welcome. When we keep the lights low in our homes, it's hard to see all the unwanted dust that's settled on our furniture. It's deceptive, right? I'm always amazed when I look in a window and the light's shining in and all those little particles that are floating around in the air that we don't even know are there. So let's look at this picture. This is a picture of a hand that is exposed to a real intense revealing light, a black light. Look at the germs. Ugh. When I saw this picture, ladies, I thought of how my heart looks to God under his true and perfect light. And I wept. As much as I truly long to be like Jesus and follow him in every way, my heart is still dirty and desperately wicked, as Jeremiah 17, 9 says. As I was thinking about this talk several months ago and how much I wanted it to be clear and effective and even perfect, the Holy Spirit shed his light on my dark heart and showed me how prideful I was. One November morning, I was reading through Luke 24 about the disciples on the road to Emmaus. The men's eyes were prevented from knowing Jesus as he walked with them, even as he explained the truth about himself from the scriptures. But when Jesus sat with them, prayed with them, broke bread with them, and then gave the bread to them, their eyes were opened, the light was let in, and they knew who he was. When they realized who he was, 
they said, was not our heart burning when he was explaining the scriptures to us? Man, I wrecked my heart. I realized I was so concerned about presenting this talk and doing a good job and getting everything just right for you guys that the scriptures had taken last priority. The truth was not burning in my heart that day. And I'm still undone, but I'm so thankful that God shed his light on my heart and that he loves me enough to reveal my sin and convict me and draw me to repentance. It's hard and it hurts, but this is the way that we are brought into fellowship with one another and with fellow, fellow believers and with the Lord. Upon revelation of sin, we have two choices. We can confess, repent, and allow the refiner's fire to cleanse and purify our lives like we learned in Malachi 3 last semester. Or we can continue to walk in darkness, stubbornly denying our sin, and bring misery, judgment, and discipline upon ourselves. The result of light is revelation, repentance, and reconciliation. So how do we know that we're walking in light? I'm going to touch on this very briefly because we're going to be talking about these two things for the next few lessons. But we know that we're walking in light when we love God with all our hearts, with all our souls, and with all our minds, and when we're loving our brother. Now, Jesus gave these two commandments as the two greatest commandments in Matthew 22, but that was not the first time that it was said. It goes way back to Deuteronomy 6 in the great Shema. And um, Leviticus 19, God tells his people to love their brothers. When we walk in light, we walk in love, truth, and in fellowship with God and one another. We all strive to do this. However, Romans, remember, reminded us in Romans 3:23 that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We learn, though, in the Old Testament through the prophets that there always is hope. And Peter calls this our living hope. He is our mediator and our advocate. So let's read the text of John 1, 9 through 1, 2, 1 through 2. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children... I'm writing these things to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sin, not only ours, but for the sins of the whole world. These verses offer so much assurance and hope and confidence of God's faithful and continual forgiveness upon our confession and repentance. He is faithful, and he's just to forgive us. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. There is no sin that we as believers commit that is so great that Jesus' sacrifice doesn't cover. Not one. What a comfort. Other scriptures tell us that our mediator, advocate, and merciful, faithful high priest is at the right hand of God right now, making intercession for us. He is before God's throne pleading for you and for me because of our sin, but also because of his great mercy and love. He is our righteousness, our substitute, and our propitiation before the Father who is ready to forgive 
and reconcile. Not only is Jesus interceding, but remember, we have another advocate. We learned in Romans 8.26 a couple of semesters ago that we have the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So we are secure, and we are completely covered by their faithful and continual intercession. When I spoke last, I think it was about six years ago in Deuteronomy, um, Moses had a key word, and it was remember. And this is what I've desired to do today. Remember that God is light from the beginning. He has led by light all through the Old Testament. He promised light in the prophets, and he is the true light in Jesus Christ our Savior. Finally, in Revelation, he tells us that Christ will be our light eternally. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In conclusion, I ask myself, am I walking in light? Am I abiding in the light, confessing and repenting as he reveals my sin? Am I in fellowship with God and other believers? I must confess I find myself in shadowy places sometimes where the light is dim, but I constantly remind myself to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith, the light of the world. I'm pursuing his holiness and continue to run the race in fellowship alongside each one of you. I have a mentor and friends who share the light of Christ with me. They listen to my confessions of sin without judgment, they challenge my knowledge of scripture and encourage me toward holiness, purity, and righteousness. We enjoy fellowship together and we're encouraged to pursue truth. But when I falter, I know that I have a friend who sticks closer than a brother and I can go before the throne in confidence and repent and confess so that God will continue to forgive, restore, and transform me. I just want you guys to know I'm so thankful for each one of you. I'm thankful that you shed light into my life and that you allow Jesus to shine through you. I'm thankful that Jesus enlightens us and that his word is a lamp unto our feet. And I thank you for joining me in this journey as we strive to walk together in the fellowship of his light. Together, we'll shine brighter. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for being the light of the world. Thank you for the written word that shines light onto our path. And thank you for Jesus, the true light that enlightens truth in our heart. Please open our eyes to your truth today as we seek to understand, live, and walk in your light. Help us shine brightly for Jesus in this dark, dark world. In his most blessed and precious name I pray. Amen. Y'all, let's thank Sharon this morning. Be sure to come and hug her neck before you leave today. And you guys have a great week in the Word. We'll be in Chapter 2, just one half of it.